Friday. This is Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker, and Aaron will be showing, joining us shortly. Uh, it is Friday. Friday! Hope you're all looking forward to a happy weekend here in Southern California. We've got warm, sunny weather. We're going to be in the low 80s in the week during the week, and then it's supposed to cool off a little bit next weekend, which, hey, I'm good with that. I, uh, I don't mind the, uh, the cooling off a little bit at all. Um, 80s isn't bad. You know, I like the 80s weather, but this is just like you can feel it in Southern California. This is the precursor to the 90s and 100s that are coming in the next few months. And uh, I'm more than happy to uh, to stay in the 70s for a while. I like our winters are 60s and 70s. And that's that's a great time to be here, Um, you know, and we get some uh, some winds blowing through that sometimes bring the coastal weather further inland and we have uh you know desert winds blowing uh dirty air back out this year it's been nice because there's been less less smog and smog has actually been much less of a thing than it was years ago i remember when i was in high school they would have smog days and they would actually shut the school down and tell everybody to stay inside and don't go out and breathe the air and don't do any kind of outdoor exercises and you know imagine living in that and that's that was that was how we lived for a while um, but, uh, that's gotten much, much better. And I mean, I remember at one point in time I was working for the San Bernardino Sun newspaper and we had a vendor coming in to install some new stuff and he would come in and out multiple times and he came in, he'd been coming in over the summer and it was been hazy and smoggy the entire, entire time. And he came walking in one September when the Santa Ana winds had started to blow and said, you have mountains here. Can we go skiing? Is it something, should I stay down here on the weekend occasionally? Because <laughs> I think he was from um, Northern California and uh, he was flying down here, you know, during the week and then flying home on weekends for, uh, for the better part of a couple months. And um, he actually did come down and go skiing one weekend thereafter and went up to, to Big Bear and, and, uh, and enjoyed the weekend snow. I said, yeah, there's been, mountains have been here the whole time. You just couldn't see them. Um, yeah, no, those those were the bad old days, and I'm glad those are gone. But uh, but with uh, the heat, it's still a very hot place to live. I remember when I uh, was first in you know in college and, and and first driving, my first few cars did not have air conditioning because I could only afford cheap cars. Or one of them was the car that I got from my parents. It was a family car, a little Volkswagen Beetle, no air. And then I uh, had a uh, Volkswagen Rabbit for a while. No air. And I remember promising myself that when I could afford it, man, I was getting a car with an air conditioner. I don't care what was wrapped around the air conditioner. <laughs> had to have four wheels, but I had to have an air conditioner that worked. Um, and so uh, I went from little cars to kind of what we referred to as Das Boot, which was <laughs> the, the boat. Um, I had a Pontiac Bonneville that, that was... Uh, black and low slung and had like a tan interior that was nice i think i got it like a year or two old um bought it as a used car and that thing had an air conditioner that cranked out cold air like there was no tomorrow uh, mileage wasn't great but you know it was comfortable it was a nice cruiser it was a good car we had it for a long time um and uh put a lot of miles on that visiting family in san diego and trips to las vegas and 
all over the Southland. Good car, good car. Back in the day, back in the day. I remember one time, though, I say after we'd had it for a decade, I was making a turn, getting off the freeway. And this is the scary part. It happened as I was getting off the freeway, thank goodness, instead of on the freeway itself. Um, the steering column came detached from the dash and laid down into my lap. Now, it still worked. You could turn the wheel, but it was now laying. Imagine something that's like a, like a hose laying in your lap. It's just kind of because it was a multi-segmented steering column, and it just came detached from the dash. It was the freakiest and scariest thing ever. And, and like, you know, carefully trying to get the car, hold it up and get the car somewhere out of traffic because I was literally on the off-ramp turning onto a side street or a, a cross street uh, as it happened in the middle of the turn is when it just fell down in my lap. Turns out it was just a bolt that had shaken loose, and I was able to bolt it back up, and everything was fine. But that was pretty freaky, <laughs> pretty strange thing to happen, honestly. Um, but I survived. I survived. So um, let's see. What else is going on in the world? Um, we talked earlier about Prince Philip's passing, um, and uh, I'm sure there will be flags at half-mast in the U.K., and, uh, and uh, probably a... a uh, both a private and probably a fairly public um, funeral for Prince Philip. I, you know, I don't know what the the rules are there in terms of like, you know, state. Here's Aaron. Hey there. Hi. Ah, uh, where are you today? You know, I'm glad it's Friday, although I have waited to the last minute to do my taxes. Yeah. Yeah, I did mine actually before they were even processing them. I got As soon as I got the paperwork, I went ahead and did them this year, uh, which is generally I tend to do mine fairly early. But last year, because of the extension, I just took advantage of every second and waited. I, so I feel like I just did them because I literally did just do them, you know, like six months ago. Because I think they extended last year to like July or something instead of April, right? They did. Yeah. They did, yeah. Um, although I helped my uh, – I used to do my daughters for them, and now my older daughter does hers and asks me to review them. And my younger daughter, I'm helping her with hers, so uh, I've got to do that yet. Yeah, I did my kids when they still lived with me, but they don't anymore. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't they, – they have tax preparers that do that now. Right. So, which is great because I don't really like doing taxes. Yeah. It's just uh, – yeah. I don't think Something too many people do. find great joy in doing taxes, you know. I suppose if you just CPAs, you know, yeah, you know, I guess if that's how you make money, you get paid to do it. You'll find a certain amount of joy in it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or enrolled tax preparers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Or tax attorneys or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I take it back. There are people who do this thing for a living. I don't. I, I suppose they must find joy in it. It's one of those things that because it's so far from anything that I find enjoyable, I find it difficult to believe that, that somebody would have, that would en- really enjoy that career. It's the career you take because uh, I'm good at it and I and it pays well, not because you love the work, <laughs> you know, in my mind. Well, some people, some people love sure, the auditing. Yeah. You know, they get, it's, you know, it's, it's a treasure hunt. It's a, uh, it's putting puzzles, you know, it's, a, it's basically a big puzzle. They enjoy that kind of work. Right. Some people like the solitary nature of that kind of work, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so, you know, I, I, a very dear friend of ours uh, worked as an auditor for 
30 years. Mm-hmm. And um, for for the California Franchise Tax Board and for the Ohio Board of Taxation. Right. And he loved it. That was yeah, for him. But like, he's a he's an introverted guy. Yeah. Give me a quiet room and a desk and leave me alone with a stack of papers and I will eventually come out and give you some numbers and tell you what what happened. <laughs> but yes. other than that, just and leave he me is alone. A, yeah. A guy who loves structure. Yeah. And a guy who loves order. And, you know, that's that's a good mm-hmm. environment. I am you and I are not those people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I live in the muck and mess and chaos of humanity and, and revel in it at times. And, you know, it's funny, though, as we talked about it before, I think the uh, covid has taught me something that I wasn't really aware of, because if anybody had asked me, I generally would categorize myself as an extrovert. And I think most people would agree with that. But what I've learned is that I'm an omnivert, um, that during covid I can lock myself in the shack and and basically come out for, you know, food and bodily functions and and I'm perfectly happy. Um, and yet I absolutely love being around people and when I'm coaching I like being around the kids and the and the parents and I just, you know, I I like that too. So it's it's uh it was a little bit of a surprise to me because I thought I would be a little more unnerved or crawling out of my skin or, you know, uncomfortable with with you know, sort of lockdown world that we've been in. And yep. uh really hasn't bothered me at all other than you know i mean i I miss my coaching and i you know could could use that revenue but um but other than that um you know i mean the actual act of of you know being in my in my little shack out back studio day in and day out it's not been a problem at all for me so so do you when you've been in a in crowd Mm -hmm. do you feel energized like at a party or a big a large gathering do you feel energized or do you feel exhausted? I, I feel energized coming away from that, which is a typical uh, extrovert thing, right? Like I, I would go, yeah. I, I could go into like coaching at night and be exhausted and not really want to do it and come out of there feeling better and more energized than I did going in after a couple hours of just being around the kids and the, and the parents and, the, and, and, you know, for me, that was always a positive thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, the idea of being locked up hasn't bothered me at all so not that i'm looking to like go to prison or anything but (laughs) no 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 no. but i get it i get what you mean see i can't be in crowd they suck the life out of me right that's how my wife feels too it just it's 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 agonizing to think about it and when she actually has to do it she it's exhausting i mean it wipes her out yes yeah you know and i think it's just because um of the level of, of anxiety that she has to deal with while she's in the crowd about not knowing she likes, she's one of those people who likes structure and order a lot too, I think. And so it's like the idea that she, um, uh, I said, I, I think I know she likes structure and order. And, uh, and, um, you know, I think that that, um, puts her in a real uncomfortable position because she's in amongst a bunch of people who she doesn't know what they're going to do or want to do or, you know, and, and that takes away that structure and that order and that planning that she, likes to have in place to make her have a little predictability right yeah she when likes fir- to know what's coming right. next when we first got married she would like to like if we were going to go on vacation she'd like to plan out what we're going to do you know by hour of the day and and have everything planned oh, out and, and have reservations and you know and kind of have it a, a, all planned out so she'd know okay well, today we're going to get up and at you know eight o'clock we're going to do this and then at nine o'clock we're going to do that and we're gonna, and 
that to me was so not relaxing keeping schedules that that we've actually over the years found a you know a very happy medium and that she plans things out but they're less structured as to exactly when we're going to do things but she kind of figures out what right. she'd like to do and that way it gives her a sense of structure and and she then also on her plan always plans to just have a day where it's like hey you know okay Todd you go do what you want to do and sometimes what Todd wants to do is you know find a beach chair and sit all day like one year when yeah. we were one one year we, we were in Hawaii for a week with our kids and on my, on the day that I had that I rented a cabana at the pool and the pool literally the cabana sat literally between the beach and the pool and I sat in the cabana and I read a book and sipped a drink and the kids went back and forth between the beach and the pool and had a wonderful time and they kept saying come on let's do something you want to get in you should get in and play and I'm like I'm happy as a clam you know I just wanted to sit here that day and then just take in the, the, the beauty of sitting at the beach. And, and so I was happy. They were happy. Everybody had a good day. And then we went and did the, some more of the touristy things that she had planned out. And saw waterfalls and, you know, uh, pineapple plantations and such. Uh, so. so we I, we are – I'm like in that hybrid space. Tobin and I uh, – but we've always – we've always done this. We didn't have – we weren't hyper-scheduled. My life is so hyper-scheduled uh-huh. that I don't want to do that on vacation. Right. And so um, uh, we'll pick things. There are things that you can't do unless you make reservations ahead sure. of time. And so and that's part we'll of make her those point. reservations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll make those reservations. But we also have a lot of unstructured time. So we wake up in the morning and we decide, well, you know, let's let's drive, you know, 100 miles away and visit this other landmark wherever we are. Mm-hmm. Um, then, OK, yeah, let's hop in the car and do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and we'll do that. I think, you know, part of it is, um, you know, Elaine, for her, I think, and, and I mean, she could probably describe this better, but I think part of it is it kind of extends the vacation for her if she's thinking about the vacation. And so sitting down and planning and reading about all the different things you can do. Um, and, and quite honestly, it becomes a really good resource for you. So if you're out on vacation, you say, hey, you want to go do something else? She can tell you the 15 100%. other things that are going on because she's gone through and read it all yeah. beforehand. So it's like, okay. That's you know. awesome. Um, so, That's, yeah. I know that on our trip to Hawaii with the four of us, um, she had like she knew about all kinds of stuff to do on the island. Yeah, she had spent a lot of time prior to planning, and that also then for her was part of the vacation. That was the fun, right, because she could put herself in those places before she went there you know, mentally and see what they were doing and what they were about and, and was like, okay, cool. And I get that. I can see that, um, you know, and, and she tries to get me to join in on that sometimes in the pre-planning and I do a little bit of it, but not to the extent that she does. And, uh, and I think that's, I've always told her that if she, you know, in, in retirement, instead of just doing nothing, what she should do is be a, a vacation planner, you know, or a travel agent. Seriously, you know? she should uh, become a travel agent. Because I think, you know, she, she, a likes traveling. B loves planning it all out and seeing here's what you could do when you go to this place or that place. Um, yeah, and I have no idea these days. You would think that travel agents. Um, I mean, I know they're still out there and a lot and a lot of people use them, but I think a lot of people also, uh, you know, just go online and book it themselves. So. Yeah, but a travel agent can tell you the skinny on individual resorts, right? So if I were going, let's say I was booking a trip to someplace I'd never been before, I'm going to New Zealand. I would likely contact a travel agent because I want to know, um, you know, where I should stay and, and all of that because I've never been there before. I don't know anybody there. I want to make sure that I get the experience that I want. Right. Um, and so I would probably do that through a travel agent. Yeah. Well, and, and the, you know, like I said, they, they, they bring value to, to what they do. Um, and so, and, and generally they don't, 
they don't cost you anything more out of pocket, you know, because they'll they'll put everything together and then they get uh, paid through the resorts and through the airlines and through right. everybody that they book you through. So they generally they don't cost you much, uh, if anything. And so, um, you know, there's value there. You hear stories of people booking their dream Costa Rican vacation and ending up in a place that is so gross and ramshackle and broken down. And they're like, what the hell were the pictures online of? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know that there's, you know, um, that was the resort uh, in 1972. It's changed hands 14 <laughs> times since then. And nobody bothered to fix the plumbing since 85. And you're like, oh, but it exactly. looks so pretty. Yes, it did. Right, and you know, you can re you can to some extent you can rely on um, um, reviews, but you don't know who's given those reviews. You don't know who those people are, right? So you yeah. know, you could, it could be, you know, people who are investors, or it could be friends mm -hmm. of the owners of the resort that's ramshackled and all of that. So you know, you for go a few to bucks, a, a you can buy people to, to to you know give you five stars and vote you up on just about any site. Um, you know, exactly. that's a problem that Amazon's been dealing with for quite a while is people, you know, looking and getting all these wonderful reviews. And then you realize that they're all sort of using the same language. And then you start, or, you know, the structuring sentences and using same, same sort of terms. And you go like, wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How can people so. game the system? Hey, we were talking about, um, you know, outdoor areas and, and, and nature and stuff earlier, and uh, we ran out of time on the radio show to talk about it. But here in Corona, the city of Corona just did something to uh, expand our area's O-Fun. They actually purchased 292 acres, almost doubling the amount of space in the city that has been uh, set aside uh, f uh, for, um, for outdoor use. And what they did is they purchased 292 acres of land in the Skyline Trail area, which is on the sort of south side of, well, it's the south side of Corona, but it's the more traditional uh, older part of Corona. It's south of there. It's not the part that kind of wraps around towards um, uh, towards Elsinore. So it's, it's south Corona, but it's actually further north than some of the parts that wrap around uh, by the 15. But, uh, so is it over by um, uh, the uh, Glen Ivy? Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. It's not over that direction. It's, okay. it's the main part of Corona. In fact, if you were to drive up um, uh, like Main Street, it's actually west of there. So if you were to take Main Street up to, say, um, Foothill and then turn right, in Corona, ah. uh, it, is, it is about a mile uh, west of there, and then it'll be on your left, which is the south side of the of the the area. It's sort of between Green River and Maine. Oh, okay, and, I gotcha. Yeah, and and it's uh, and it's this 292 acres that butted up. In fact, if you'd walked by it in the past, you might have thought it was part of the Cleveland National Forest, but it actually is the area between the houses that exist there now and Cleveland National Forest. And apparently a developer was getting ready to put in 70 or so homes in this meadow and and even uh, cut into some of the surrounding hills that were part of this property. And the city of Corona has said, you know, if you do that, you're cutting off access to the Skyline Trail and access to the Cleveland National Forest. And we kind of want to keep that. And so they bought it all for uh, a little over $6 million dollars. Um, yeah, well, about six and a half million dollars, I guess. Uh, six point six four is the number that's in the paper, um, and uh, 
it, you, you know, there was a, used to be a county-maintained dirt road through that area, but it's now part of the city of Corona, and so they'll take over maintenance. And there's walking paths that go behind all of the existing houses and then, then turn into dirt paths that then walk up into the um, National Forest. And it, oh, that's it, so lovely. That's yeah, nice. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they do something to maybe improve the parking situation because there's a lot of uh, cars that park along Foothill Boulevard. But you walk by that area and you will see cars there all the time as people mountain biking and hiking going up there. It gets a lot of use. And so I'm happy to see that the uh, – in fact, Elaine used to walk up there when she would walk in the mornings when we lived back up that direction. Um, I don't know that she gets in a car and drives over there to walk there anymore just because it's quite a ways to go. You know, you get in your car to go for a walk. Um, but uh, if you like walking up and down hills and, and that hiking type of mode, um, you know, it, it very quickly becomes sort of a uh, – there's options to turn off the main trail into other trails that are pretty well defined and they can be – you know, more uh, rugged and rustic if you like hiking up and down and do more hiking. If you just want to go for a nice walk, you can stay on the main trail, and it's relatively, I mean, there's an incline as you go up the hill. This is the foothills of the area, of course, but but uh, it's it's a relatively flat, and, and in fact, it's parts of it are, are covered with asphalt, so it's not just a dirt road. Um, and, yeah, it's just a beautiful area, and I'm, I'm really happy to see that the city is going to keep it in its natural state. I love that. So I have recently joined the board, uh, the founding board of a brand new nonprofit called um, Support Public Lands. And it is a and we've we've had her on the show on the radio show many times. Michelle Markell, who is a through hiker, has hiked all over the country and in several other countries um, like long trail. She's done the Pacific Crest Trail and the mm-hmm. Continental Divide Trail and the Appalachian Trail. She's a crazy. Um, and she, she, she's fabulous. I yeah. just adore her, and I wish I had the courage to do what she does. Yeah, I'm really envious but, of those um, people, but it's not something I think I would ever do. But I, I like doing short hikes. Yes, and so um, she has founded, uh, and, and she's had this website, supportpubliclands.com, for a long time. Um, but she's made it official and created a nonprofit, and. It is all about all kinds of public lands that are, you know, cool. that are owned by cities and mm-hmm. counties and states and, and, and the national government. And these lands are set aside for us to use and enjoy and, you know, get out in nature. It's good for you to be outside. It's good for you to be, you know, playing in the dirt. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's funny. Yeah, I think that's great. It's nice and good luck to, to you and to, to her and the charity. And, and I hope you guys continue to support the public lands because you're right. They're out there for us to use. I was just kind of snickering because I was flipping through some of the pictures they have here of the Skyline Trail. And they show a family lifting a child in one of those like jogging strollers up over these big uh, uh, brakes that are set up so that cars can't go driving up this road. They're blocks, you know, and they obviously open it up when fire engines need to get through or rescue engines need to get through. But it's not wide enough for them to push the stroller. So they're lifting the stroller up over these, like, you know, four-foot-high big barriers with the kid in the stroller kind of looking out, going, like, I'm kind of high up in the air here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, um, That's why they make backpacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd probably put Junior in a backpack. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> that gets pretty heavy, too, though. Um, yeah, and then they show a picture of the multitude of cars packed, you know, uh tail to tail all the way down uh, Foothill Boulevard. So hopefully they will do some. And then a picture of garbage. Yeah, whoever took these pictures is kind of like, really, this is what you want to post? Um, but you would hope that they um, they do a good job of, of uh, providing a place for those cars to park. 
I guess by parking them on the street, they kind of self-limit how many people are up on the trail at any given point in time, too, which is maybe not a bad thing. You know, if you build more parking, then more people will come, and then it'll be crowded, and then you're like, well, you know, you get what you build well, for. Well, and if, if they're like the city of Ranch Cucamonga, if you go over to the Etiwanda Preserve and you park where you're not supposed to, they will tell you. Yeah. They do it a lot. And yeah. so people will park along the road, and there's no parking there. And they see what. And what happens is that one person does it, and you think, oh well, then they're doing it, and they're there still there. It's fine. And right. they everybody comes back, and they're tired, and they have no car. Right. <laughs> now you're gonna hike a little more. Um, exactly. Or, yeah. Or, or call an Uber. Um, but yeah, it's uh, maybe that's how to get there, right? Uber to the place, and then just call the Uber as you come back, so you can ride home, and then you don't have to worry about parking. The, um, uh, you know, they, they, all of this parking is not, it, it is legal to park there. They, in fact, they have um, like a, a bike lane that they've actually now extended around the curb so that there's space for the car to park. And then the bike line extends out from the car park, the width of the cars. And so, um, you know, be careful when you're opening doors because there might be bikes zipping by uh, in that area. But, uh you know, it gets a lot of use, and that's the important thing is that, that people are out there using it and that the city is now going to, you know, has taken it over and will be uh, responsible for keeping it that way so that the, the citizens can continue to use it um, and uh, and hopefully we'll keep it clean and they won't have to be out there taking pictures of somebody's paper coffee cup uh, as the uh, yeah, <laughs> And they probably did that to show you how ugly it is. Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, we had gone hiking, and I think I've talked about this before. We went up to Lytle Creek. And we, we hiked up to, there's a fall, there are falls in Lytle Creek. And there are Doritos bags and dirty diapers and graffiti everywhere. And I was so irritated and, and frankly angry that mm -hmm. people cannot manage to control themselves well enough to care, you know, to, to, to not destroy our, our public lands. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you brought it in, you bring it out. Uh, and in fact, not only if you brought it in, you bring it out. If you see it along the way, pick it up and bring it out, you know, help clean it up. Yes. I mean, yeah. especially, well, dirty diapers are beyond the pale, but especially like the Doritos bag is actually smaller when it's empty than when it's full. So there's yeah. no excuse. If you ate the you Doritos, you can put the bag out. in your pocket. Yeah, exactly. How tough is that? Yeah. Oh, this is so. interesting. I had not noticed this. The current version of, of um, the Safari browser, which is the, my preferred browser on the Mac, uh, actually put up a little notice on the top of my web page saying, this web page is using significant energy. Closing it may improve the responsiveness of your Mac, which tells me yes. that, that it, whatever ads and stuff that they're running on this thing are using a lot of CPU powers because they're, they're running little animated commercials and stuff in the background. And this is one of those ads that... Uh, you know, one of those pages that just seems to scroll down forever. So there's lots of stuff and ad and advertisements on this page throughout the page, and it's a uh, press enter enterprise page. So hey, newspapers, learn to write code that isn't so crappy. It eats up all the energy. <laughs> I put that so on the people the, who design the page. But have you been following the Derek Chauvin trial at all? Very peripherally, I kind of look at the headlines each day to see what new thing has been introduced or what, you know, and I noticed, was it yesterday or the day before, because um, at one point I had been told or had read somewhere that that the police officers in that area, one of their restraint training 
way, ways they're trained is by putting their knee on the back of somebody's neck. And they had a, a training officer from their department say that, no, that is not, in, not how he has been trained to restrain people and that it was excessive. And so, of course, this is the prosecution's case, so everything's going to make him sound horrible and awful. Um, either way, the so bottom line is, is the man lost his life, so I guess it was horrible and awful. So, Well, apparently there was another camera angle, though, that showed Derek Chauvin, um, he, the, his knee was not on the neck. It was actually on the shoulder, and so, um, which then makes it, you know, makes a completely legal move. They showed right. um, body cam footage from the officers who were standing around him. We all saw the the footage of uh, the that was d- taken by the bystander. That's the one that hit the news, et cetera. Sure. Um, but yeah. um, you know, there's in the trial, of course, they're able to show body cam footage from the other officers, and it right. looks like his knee was actually on Derek Chauvin's um, shoulder blade, and not his and not his neck. And so um, I think that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm frustrated at our media for, for hyping this, the, the idea that this is a slam dunk. You might as well not even take it to trial because it's obvious that Derek Chauvin is guilty because I think that reasonable doubt is being sown. sown. Yeah. And um, I, think that the, I think the defense is doing a good job of, of, of uh, doing the cross on these witnesses, these, um, mm-hmm. uh, prosecution witnesses. And I worry, I said, you know, there are, there are people who are going to riot. Oh, absolutely. Um, when this, if this goes away that their, their side doesn't like. Now there's a story in the NBC news about, um, you know, that, that white supremacist, the Boogaloo movement, which is, you know, again, white supremacist movement. Um, they you know, might, white supremacists comes... have no, no idea how to properly name things. They pick the stupidest names for them. <laughs> The well, Boogaloo and QAnon. The, yeah, I know. They're not known for being the most intelligent people in the world. <laughs> it's like, hey, let's pick um, something that makes us sound really stupid. Yeah, <laughs> sounds exactly. Sounds good to me. And so, hold my beer. Hold right. my beer. Exactly. So I, I um, am worried that they will, if this, if Chauvin is convicted, that they're going to, there's there's talk about them acting out. And then BLM, if, if Chauvin is not convicted, that they will act out. So either way, are we going to have riots um, in, in our major cities again. Yeah. I mean, there's already people, you know, out on the streets with signs and and stuff during the trial. Um, and you know, those people, if they're, if they're, if they were worked up enough to, to be out, you know, holding signs and, 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 and protesting before there's even a, a, uh, you know, a, a result of the trial, you know, when the result comes out, they will be out there. You know, in fact, I would suspect there's probably going to be people, uh, whether their side won or lost, will be out there. You know, they'll be out celebrating in the streets if it went the way they wanted it to and protesting if they didn't, which means that there will be two parties out in the streets, probably facing off with each other and threatening and causing more more damage to people, which is unfortunate. But you can just see it's already building up. It's happening. So. And that's scary. I don't want another summer of people being violent in the street. Um, you know, that's that was all last summer and, you know, burning cities down. And that's that's not OK behavior. It's not OK mm-hmm. to give people space to riot. Um, protest. Fine. You carry your sign. Fine. Um, but but burning things down and assaulting people and, and doing what uh, what happened last summer is not OK. 
not okay. So yeah. I'm just, I, I'm, and I know that I'm not the only one. I'm just really worried about when this verdict comes down, regardless of which side it comes down on. Yeah. No, I think there's lots of people who, who, in, in a sense, don't have any, any, anything in the game as to how, the, which verdict comes out, how, which way the verdict goes. They're more yeah. concerned with what's going to happen afterwards. Um, you know, it's like if the, if the, if he's found guilty, then, then great. You found him guilty. If he's found innocent, then okay. There was evidence that you believe means he was innocent. You know, to me personally in my life, that doesn't matter. I'm concerned about the, the results of it. And, uh, and I would hope that, that the people who are making the decisions in the trial are looking at the evidence as it's presented and not, not thinking about the results of it, but that would right. be a difficult thing And not thinking about the do. politics of it. Right. The, the, the standard in criminal court is reasonable doubt. Right. And, um, and they're not supposed to consider politics. They're not supposed to consider anything but the facts presented at trial. And so, you know, let's see if that happens. You know, it, it let's, or if there's jury nullification going on yeah. or, you know, other, other outside pressure um, that's happening. So... So I just sent you an article from Axios. Um, they have a list of travel rest- travel restrictions by country, mm-hmm. and they list uh, where Americans can visit this summer. Now, um, Canada is still travel travel restriction is still in force in Canada. It's I hope Canada. that that is lifted by June. Yeah. Pardon? It's Canada. Canada. There you go. You cannot go there. Exactly. You cannot <laughs> go there. Exactly. So that's cute. Uh, travel is open in Mexico. So if you want to go down to Mexico, they will gleefully take your money. Same thing with Costa Rica. Um, and then there's a test tests required for lots of other countries. So if you want to go to, um, Brazil or, uh, Bolivia, um, Paraguay, uh, Ecuador, uh, Peru, Colombia, Venezuela, mm-hmm. uh, Suriname, then you're going to, then you have to have a test. Algeria. Uh, if want you want to go to Al, no, and I don't want to go to Algeria, so that's good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brazil requires now. Brazil is, has travel restrictions. Chile requires test and quarantine. So um, you know, uh, for Europe, uh, their travel is restricted. They're pretty locked down, with the exception of the UK. The UK requires test and quarantine, uh, but you can, with just a test, go to Morocco. You can go um, to parts of the Middle East. Um, you can go to Brazil. You know, They're worse uh, than off than us, and they'll let you in if you take a test. No, Brazil is travel restricted. They're pink. Oh, no, they're, they're, they're yellow. Sorry, I was looking at Argentina. Duh. Um, no, Brazil say, is, is yellow. You just have to take a test. Yeah. Yes, because uh, like, I, yeah. I, I had a dumb, dumb moment. <laughs> So I wonder um, how many people could look at this map and know the names of these countries. There's a whole bunch in Africa I don't know, but kind of know most of South America. So, you know. Well, you could, with test and quarantine, you can go to Nigeria. With uh, travel is completely open to Mali. All right. Yeah. <laughs> They're having a civil war, but actually, okay. <laughs> yeah, I really want to go to Mali. I really do because yeah. I want to meet our girls' family. Yeah. You know, we've hosted these right wonderful, now. outstanding young women, but not right now. Yeah. Not um, now. Travel is restricted to India, to China, to Indonesia, to Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. to all of Scandinavia, Russia. You cannot go so, to Madagascar. 
No, you can't. Mm-hmm. No seeing the FUSA. <laughs> so Saudi Arabia is restricted. Um, so interesting, interesting, interesting. Mm-hmm. However, travel you is, know. is uh, uh, available to the United Arab Emirates on the south of the Saudi Arabian Peninsula. Okay, so I've heard that the UAE is beautiful. Yeah. Like it's one of the places that, that Westerners want to go visit because it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of places in the Middle East, I understand it's very nice. So uh, UAE, Yemen, you can travel to Yemen. Oh, no. No, 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 no. Talk about okay. civil war. Uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> if you want to die, you can go to Yemen. Yeah, they're, 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 their doors are open to anybody who wants to come in, you know. It's BYOG, right? Bring your own gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, we're laughing, but that's so sad. It Families is. live there. Yeah. You can go to Papua New Guinea. Uh, yeah, I don't know that oh, I Oh, no, wait a minute. Papua no, it isn't. Sorry. Wrong island. Wrong island. Papua New Guinea is closed. Right. As is Cuba. No traveling to Cuba. Well. Well, that I'm I'm really sad about that one. They've opened no, it I've, up. I understand Cuba's beautiful. If I, had I think the that's the Haiti. We can go to Haiti. Yeah, I mean, it's like if I had the opportunity to travel to to Cuba at some point, I wouldn't mind going and visiting Cuba. I think it's a beautiful country, and like a lot of places, I think the people are are wonderful people. I don't care for their political system, but but you know, if the opportunity presented itself, I would love to go to Cuba. Um. If it was, you know, available and safe. <laughs> yes, you know, the travel is open to Mexico. Feelings. Nothing needed. Just travel to Mexico. I, I have mixed feelings about Cuba because yeah. I wouldn't want yeah. to uh, do anything to support their government because I think their government is oppressive. Yeah. Um, and so travel dollars supports the government because it's a communist country. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, know. and I don't know what the the um, uh, you know like what what are the implications in terms of like what kind of fees and stuff do you have to pay? You know, is it like yeah, are you making basically payoffs to the to the government to get in, or are they just saying, well, you know, as a tourist you can come and you know buy things from vendors there, and then I don't know that it's really supporting the government per se. I would I would investigate all that before I would do it, but uh, but uh, you know it's they have a. Uh, an interesting, you know, sort of Caribbean culture there that I think I would like to experience if I had the opportunity to do it. Tanzania is open. So with, and Turkey is open. Well, Turkey, you have, a, you have to take a test. Tanzania would be cool. Tanzania would be very, very cool. I, would, I think I would very much like to see um, that country. Um, one of our, one of my Rotary Club uh, like members, like the open, member sorry. Rotary Club member. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to distract. Uh, he is from Tanzania. He's actually of Indian really? descent, but he's from Tanzania. Uh-huh. And um, uh, I would, you know, he's talked about it. I would love to go. I would like mm-hmm. to go to Uganda. I would like to go to Rwanda. Um, I don't really know much about Burundi, except that it's right next to those countries. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's lots of places in Africa I'd like to visit. I'd like to go to Namibia. Namibia which and Burundi is are fun to say. I like those. They, <laughs> they, feel, they feel funny on my tongue when I say it. <laughs> Namibia. So Namibia, you just Burundi. need a test, but but neighboring um, Angola, the travel is completely. If you have to take a test to get in, isn't that like um, Jim Crow? That's not fair. <laughs> they have That's Jim funny. Crow travel restrictions. 
Uh, needless to say, we can't travel to North Korea. Darn, that was next on my list. I know. Not. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, come to North Korea where we can show you what we want to show you and hide all of the starving people. Um, exactly. But uh, yeah, you know, there's lots of places in the world that I think would be wonderful to visit, and just I think I, I'm always up for you know going somewhere and seeing how people live somewhere else and what it's like, and and uh, and I, mostly I travel. You know, if I, when I think about traveling, not only do I want to see the beautiful places within the country, and almost every country has some some very pretty areas, um, but food, I want to taste their food. You know, exactly. People use different spices all around the world, and I just love different flavors. That to me is exciting and fun. So that's always so, part of my uh, you travel know, plans. I've been watching, I've been traveling via YouTube. I, there's, you know, these, there's YouTubers who travel around the world and they go mm -hmm. to different, you know, places where Americans typically don't go. And, and I was watching a video of, of, or a series of videos of, of these guys who went to Uzbekistan, which of course was on the, on the Silk Road. And you have, mm -hmm. you know, these uh, ancient cities um, with a Muslim influence and, uh, their diet, their food looked delicious as it, you can see it. They're cooking it in this, these giant pans, like they, like they use for paella, those giant, giant wok looking things. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, it just, it just, uh, it looked really cool. So I would like to go to the stands, Uzbekistan being one of them. I don't know that I want to go to, um, uh, was it Turkmenistan? I think that one is. I'm not sure I want to go to that one, but I think I'd like I'd like to go to Uzbekistan. I also would like to go to Ukraine and Belarus and Estonia and mm -hmm. Latvia, Lithuania, you know, yeah. back in Europe. So I think Ukraine would be a little scary these days, but yeah, I, I get your point. But, but there there are yeah I get yeah, yeah Russia's uh, leaning on them pretty heavily. Beautiful. Oh yeah, I've seen photos and, and videos, and you're right, it's absolutely gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. You know, or Bulgaria. Yeah, that'd so. be fun. So um, a while back, I talked about something that I had been watching, and I wrapped it up finally. It took me a couple of months. I, I worked my way through. I had never, ever watched when it was first released, The Sopranos. And so I watched it from episode one all the way through to the end. And I wrapped it up day before yesterday. And, uh, and what do you think? It was a really, really well done show. Really well done show. And uh, I don't know. The, the ending, do you remember the ending? Did you watch the... Sopranos. I didn't watch it. So I, the, I, no, I've never watched The Sopranos. Okay, well, the ending was one of those things that I knew had had was sort of famous for its ending, but I very intentionally did not do any reading about it so that I wouldn't know what was coming at all till I till I saw the final episode, and I thought it was um, very interestingly and artistically done. It's it's not one hundred percent satisfying as an ending, but it absolutely is one of those things that you know. Later in the day and the next day, you're still kind of thinking about it, going, well, what was that? What, you know, what did I just see, you know? And, uh, and for that reason, I like it a lot. And I like the ending and I like the, I, and the, and the story was really well done. I mean, it's, it's, it's about, you know, a, the, the family life and, 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 you know, friendship slash business acquaintances of a incredibly violent and horrible person. It really is. But, the role was written so well and played so well, um, and and all of the different characters were done so so well that it just it was I, I I understand why it got all the kudos that it got. Great, great, great series. So, essentially seven seasons because the sixth season was done in two parts a year apart, so it was like six A and six B. So it was essentially seven seasons, and it was like 
six and a half seasons long because that that last season was a longer you know unlike um um the uh dragon show that that gave you short seasons at the end and and they got bad uh sopranos gave you a longer last season and it got good so or stayed good so so kudos to them for finishing it the right way um but uh, the other series that I had never watched and started watching through COVID, and they're in their final season, but the last episodes haven't uh, dropped yet, are is um, uh, Showtime's series Shameless. And I know oh, yes. You're not a fan, but Tobin is, or at least was at one point. Um, yes. I'm enjoying that. There was an episode that has happened in the last season, and I don't know if it was the most recent one or the one before that, that if you want to see... A, uh, a whole bit about cancel culture. It is so well done. I mean, it was laugh out loud, funny, well done. Uh, the the youngest child in the family, uh, his school is renaming themselves because they were named after a uh, famous uh, politician who happened to be caught with child pornography and he was a pedophile. Um, so they said, we oh. re- so we have to rename the school, right? And so they're trying to figure out names to rename the school. And they find a reason to cancel everybody. They can't use any names. <laughs> I mean, they That's even hilarious. they can't even name it Martin Luther King because, well, apparently he uh, he he had, you know, there was some evidence that he had had uh, uh, philandered a little bit while he was married. And that would be set a bad example. So you can't use Martin Luther King. You can't. I mean, every single person you could think of that they would say, hey, that's somebody you could name a school after. Nope, nope. Can't use him because of this or that. You know, and they, they found a reason to cancel everybody. And it was it, it's just it's funny. It's funny. And so um, I yeah, even if you're not a fan of the show in general, that episode is really good. <laughs> I'm hoping that cancel culture will die a a a a swift death, Um, and I and I because I I love that comedians are pushing back because yeah if everything is cancelable then you then you can't have a life everybody's just afraid to say the wrong thing and my goodness that's not a world that we want to live in cheers to the writers who said okay this is getting ridiculous let's let's show people how ridiculous it is exactly and they did and they did it so well. and it's funny watching everybody kind of like, you know, sort of getting more and more frustrated and rolling their eyes going, we can't, there's no name for this school. We can't name the school after anybody, you know? And I mean, every school has, you know, I mean, you name it, I guess, I guess in, in uh, New York, some of the schools are like, you know, uh, PS 25, right. You know, public school yes. 25. So you can go to that, right. Use a number, but be careful. Don't use a number like, you know, 420 or anything that's loaded, you know, uh, you know, and if you've got Asians, they don't like, uh, what is it? There, there are certain numbers that are, um, was it four and seven or bad numbers in, in Asian cultures or four and nine, I think it was four and nine, because I remember reading an article once in marketing class about, they tried to market the cleaner 409 in some Asian countries and nobody would buy it. It sat on the shelves. Nobody would touch it. <laughs> It's like, why would you name it that? Like, oh, that's hilarious. You know, or or naming a car the the Nova and selling it in Hispanic speaking yes. countries. Now that which, one I remember from business school. Right. Yeah. No go. You know, like who names a car no go and sells? You know, but but English speakers didn't know that. You know, it's like, hey, you gotta gotta understand the culture you're selling into a little bit. But you know, you can find reasons to 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 not do lots of things if you want to. You just have to dig a little bit. 
So yay so for the comedians. we are completely out of time. We are. We talked our way through it and then some. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day, everybody. We will Be back see you Monday. tomorrow or Monday. on Monday. Monday. <laughs> Bye-bye. Feeling like I'm falling in love. Feeling like I'm falling in love. Feeling like I'm falling in love. Yeah. And I'm feeling like I'm never getting.